0: Hello, everybody! Thanks for joining us today on the Five On your sometimes weekly source for insights into whatever the hell I happen to care about at the time. I'm your eternal, ever-burning co-host, Patrick Downs, the modern Johnny Blaze, and today I am joined by Nick Sigleski. And I didn't even ask your last name; we were just talking about pronunciations. I probably got it wrong. He's an enterprise AAF surepoint and I've titled today's episode "Podcasters on Podcasting." I don't know; it's a working title. We'll figure it out. And today we're talking about the whys, what's wins, and hows the podcasting. Welcome to the show, Nick. Would you hey, like to add some for- color to your introduction? There's already a lot
1: I will add some color to the introduction. You got maybe ninety percent of the way right with the last name. It's Sigelski, but honestly, the listeners don't really care. They just call me Nick. But uh no, I'm excited to be all man. We're gonna have a fun conversation today. Um, you want more about me? I was a college wrestler. I'm a college wrestling coach still. I work as an enterprise salesperson, so it's really fun getting punched in the face all day, every day in my sales job, and then going onto a wrestling mat and getting clubbed in the head for for the next two hours. So, uh, I'm looking forward to talking with you.
0: Hey, man! If you like getting hit in the face, you came to the right place, man.
1: That's the truth.
0: <laughs> awesome. So, I like to sh- kind of start off with some mood setting questions. They're going to be a little bit too personal.
1: Or are you right, game for it? Let's do it, man. I'm ready to rock. All right,
0: be honest with me. What is your your deepest and darkest fear?
1: Oh. My deepest and darkest fear, probably that I'm not living my life the right way. Like not that I'm doing anything bad or not, like making good decisions. I try to to be really disciplined and, and make the right decisions in my life. But like, there's always that thing in the back of my head where it's like, okay, would I be a happier human being when I get to the end of this all, if I just dropped everything and moved to Germany? And so there's, it's kind of the ambiguity about like, I think I'm living a great life. I've got a beautiful home here in Southern California. Um, I I get to go surf. I get to go hike. I wrestle. I hang out with an amazing girlfriend that I've been with for a really long time. I have a lot of friends and family that that I love and care about. But there's always this thing in the back of my head where it's like, would it be different if I went in a different direction? So probably just, it's the doubt, you know?
0: What do you think would make that go away?
1: (sighs) Trying one of those things. (laughs) Just dropping it all and moving to Germany, man
0: okay is it just germany or is there anything else you would do
1: Nah, that was that was just an example um i mean i'd go anywhere but You know, I've had the benefit of living in a bunch of different areas. I grew up in New York, but not New York, not the New York you're thinking of, the complete opposite side of the state. And I've lived on both coasts. I've I've traveled a lot for my job, and so I've gotten to see a lot of different places. And so that's kind of infected me. Anytime I'm in, like when I'm in Seattle for, for two days for a bunch of work meetings, I'm always like, ooh, what would it be like if I lived here? And that probably doesn't help because I travel so much. It's like, oh, what, it, what, what if I moved here? What if I lived in Phoenix or Seattle or Portland? Um, what would make it go away? I, frankly, I don't think anything, though. <laughs> because cause, cause I'd move to Germany. I'd be like, this is a lot of fun. I'm having a blast. And I'd be like, ah, but did I give up? Like, what if I moved back to Pasadena? Would things be better there? So I think it's something we have to accept as people. It's part of the reason I'm huge. And I know you've done some episodes on mental health. I'm huge into journaling and self-reflection. It's something I do every single night. I write in my journal because it helps me recalibrate mm. my head. And then I'm a lot more effective and happier person the next day.
0: Wow! Thank you for your uh, supreme honesty. I appreciate that. I got two more though. We got a All little right. bit more honesty coming. All
1: on. right, good, good.
0: What is one thing that you wish people like actually understood about you?
1: I think this goes for all of humanity. I think there are some people, like when you look at another person's action, when somebody does something in your life that affects you, I think a lot of people have a tendency to believe or assume negative intent. And something that I learned from my last boss and my last sales job was you always have to assume positive intent. And so I think there are times that I'll do things or other people will do things and I'm watching people say, well, why did you do that? Like that, like, what do you, what the heck? Like they assume malice or hostility. And I don't think that's the case with 99% of us. I think most people are good people and they're doing the best dang job that they can. And we don't live by the, the mantra, seek first to understand and then be understood nearly enough. So I think if I wanted somebody to understand something about me, it's you've got to assume positive intent. I have, I think the best intentions. doesn't mean I always do things right, or anyone always does things right, but most people are trying their best. It's it's okay. So I've seen this in a wrestling match that I've coached. So I coach college wrestling, and I watch some of these other coaches and the way that they talk to their athletes. And I've literally seen coaches when when are wrestlers out there are not wrestling very well, or maybe they're losing the match, and they're it looks like they're not even trying to win because they're not going after the other guy. And they the, the coaches will yell things like, "Come on, don't you want to win this match? Come on, Patrick, don't you want to win?" And I'm like. Of course he wants to win. Maybe, he is, maybe it broke his foot. Like you have no idea what's going on inside another human's brain or what somebody else is dealing with. So stop assuming that people are lazy or bad or inadequate and start giving them the benefit of the doubt. And I think you'd be a lot happier yourself.
0: Wow. I don't want to assume any negative intent about what you just said because my next question was actually just intercepted. <laughs> so I'm going to assume you didn't know that because there's no way you can read minds. But, bes- but besides that, what is one thing that you would change about how people treat each other?
1: Oh, I mean, I think most of us could treat, treat each other with a lot more grace and seeking to understand. Like, I'm watching people navigate this planet trying to impose their will on others and assuming that other people don't care about their performance or life or where they're going or that they are just walking around with a handout. And I don't assume that of most people. about most people. I think most people, they want the best life for themselves and for others. And they don't want to hurt other people. And I don't even know what the original question was, but I, I think we need to treat each other with more grace and respect and kindness. And I don't do a perfect job of this. Uh, when somebody cuts me off in traffic, especially when I'm biking, I start bite. like, okay, I do this all the time. Every day after work, I go for a really long bike ride, especially now because I don't have anything else to do um and i always end up getting some car that cuts me off or almost hits me and so then i start pedaling to catch up with them and i yell and i swear at them and my girlfriend's like please don't do that you don't need to do that so like i don't know just show 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 people grace respect kindness and i think it'd be a happier planet
0: yeah man and i think it's fair for me to give you answers to all these questions too because we just got really personal and just tip for tat this let's um, hear them my deepest fear is that people, it actually kind of relates to you, uh, assume I'm doing things for different reasons than why I'm doing them. I, I, I'm afraid that when like people see me doing good things for people that they think I'm trying to like gain something from it, that's my biggest mm-hmm. fear. Because mm-hmm. I've I've changed a lot in the last couple of years and my main focus is on doing good. And I'm still afraid that it doesn't really matter. Um, as far as the second question, one thing people understood about me is that a lot of the the things that I do, like I feel like I actually did not do. So sometimes I, cause I have bipolar uh, conversion disorder, PTSD, I will forget I do things or not even like process actions I'm about to take. And sometimes it can look like I'm being nonsensical and I wish people understood like there's a reason for that. Yeah. I'm not just being a dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the number three, I wish people would just like, actually take from what's inside of them and just put it on the table i feel like so much of our interaction is just us assuming the other person wants to hear a certain thing and then giving that to them instead of just authentically presenting what's happening in their head you can tell it's not happening and it's frustrating and i think we need to start calling it out i wish that's something people did but yeah well, that that's intimacy, a really uh, that yeah. No, that we, just
1: <laughs> we did. That was really nice. Well, I, I really liked the last thing that you said, which was something comes into your head instead of trying to truly filter it and say what you think the other person wants to hear. You should you should tell the truth, and I think that applies to sales actually. I think most of us go into our sales jobs and we think that we have to be the super buttoned up, super professional, like s- s- saying things like "Dear Sir" and madame and like only letting the words that come out of our mouth that things that a sales rep or salesperson sh- should say. And I think as soon as you become, um, one of my best friends calls it being disarmingly blunt. He says, just, just say what comes, I mean, say it respectfully and be a professional, but you don't have to be formal. So if you're thinking about a sales cycle, it might be something like, Patrick, so now that we've done this demo, like I'm kind of getting the sense that we might not be a good fit for you. Are you feeling the same thing? Because guess what? If I'm feeling it, they're probably feeling it too. And one of two things is going to happen when you do that. You're either going to say, yeah, Nick, you're right. It's not a good fit because of X, Y, and Z. And at least then I have the truth and I know. And if the X, Y, and Z are wrong, I can combat them and explain why actually, hey, we didn't show you this feature that you needed to see. Okay, great. Now we're getting to a better place of mutual understanding. And if it is, if it is a fit, they'll say, well, actually, Nick, you're wrong. I really did like this. Well, okay, fine. No harm, no foul there. And it goes back to the first thing that you and I were kind of talking about, which is the seek first to understand and then be understood. When you don't actually communicate what's going on in your brain and the person that you're talking with, whether it's a, a partner, a customer, a prospect, some dude on the street, when you, you intentionally guard your response there's no communication. So you have to set the example in every single relationship, again, with your partners um, in, your, in your life and, and with your customers. Set the example by being the person who's open and honest and real and truthful, and usually the other party will reciprocate.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm like deeply in love with you, Nick. I, <laughs> I, I, I love that so much. I, I can't believe you just brought up striplining before I did. Usually I'm like the first person to put that on the table. So you got me on that one, you quick draw,
1: motherfucker. God, hey, <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best, Patrick.
0: And it's funny because like, oh, this conversation we're having right now is pretty similar to one that I would have with like, a friend or a colleague. And it's just slightly more formal and it's being recorded. Uh, so that's really all a
1: podcast is a lot of the time.
0: You just well, sort of take a loose structure and put it on
1: top of a conversation. And the the listeners can't see, but I've got this really nice uh, noise canceling thing that I wrap around my special microphone. So most of my conversations in life don't have that nice equipment. But yeah, I mean, really, that's what a good podcast should be. It's you've got to break it down and actually have a real conversation with somebody and not talk about things that are super, super... the the term everyone likes to use now is fluffy, but I I call it academia. I hear people talk about, so you use the term strip lining and you you might mention that, but like you've got to talk about things people can actually go use and put into practice. I think there's a lot, there's there's too much like pontificating about how things should be done and not enough execution. Like ideas are Mm. abundant on this planet, but actual execution of them is limited. Most people like to say, yeah, I'm an ideas person, Here I am assuming about other people, but like I don't care if you're an ideas person. I don't care how many ideas come into your head. If you don't actually do something about those ideas and try to take action to help them materialize, the idea didn't didn't change anybody's life or world. You have to take action. This this is a quote that helps me. So I'll bring it back to your mental health thing. I, I I often get anxious about things that are happening in my life, and this is something that I do when I journal is one of the things that I always remind myself, and I think this is true 90% of the time, there's some instances it's not, it's this quote, which is, the only antidote to worry is action. And what I will typically do when I'm doing this journaling process is, I'll write out the top three things that are stressing me out that day. And then I will literally try to come up with, well, what action could I take to make, make that thing better? Ninety percent of the things I'm able to, to come up with a path forward to solve for that. There, don't get me wrong. There are things in life that like you you just you can't fix those things. Like you can't fix fix the things that happened in your past. But there there likely are things that you can do to, to to maybe make your situation a little bit better.
0: Every time you talk, Nick, I just again fall deeper and deeper in love with you. <laughs> it's upsetting. It's a, it's very upsetting.
1: Well, uh, my and, uh, girlfriend's going to listen to this and you're going to get an angry message in your, uh, your email box. But what's her name? <laughs> Emma.
0: Hey, Emma. I'm telling you right now, I am coming for him. I'm coming for him hard and it's happening currently. Love but, it. I mean, I think this is the first time that's happened on one of my podcasts, but I, I think the bigger question that I have right now is about actionable items, right? Yep. You talked about, there's not a lot of hate. This is how you go do it. Something I don't hear talked about a lot is like gear. You mentioned I have this great noise canceling piece right here for my mic. Yep, yep. What do you think the number one and two things someone needs for gear, just like basics, to start a podcast is?
1: Good mic recording platform. That's it. So I got a blue Yeti mic here for, I mean, I'll give you literally everything, everything that's on my list. You ask me for the top no, two and I'll take you through everything I use as you type away. Um, but I got a blue Yeti mic for like a hundred bucks on Amazon. You need something to actually record the podcast. So you and I are on a zoom right now. I use a tool called Squadcast. They're basically the same. You need to be able to publish that podcast if you actually want to have any sort of reach. So we use a tool called buzzsprout that helps us publish the, all the episodes. We work with a third-party tool to help us edit the episodes. Uh, The company's called Resonate. That's it, man. I mean, that's really all you need. Um, One of the other things that we do is I use a tool called Calendly. I think most people are familiar with it to actually book the times that my co-host and I are available. So when a guest says, hey, I want to be on the show, here's the link, book through it. We have it all set up. We've been able to set up some kind of nice workflows so it automatically generates a Squadcast link and like it's pretty easy. Uh, one other thing that we do is we use a Google Doc with a bunch of prep information. So when I when I interview a guest on my show, I want them to be a superstar on the show and I want them to have some ideas in their head about what they're going to talk about. I don't need it scripted out. But it's helpful to have a structure because then they can prepare a couple talking points. And I found that oftentimes if you don't have a structure or prep before a conversation, what will happen is, is someone will, they will meander around a point and then they'll say something that's like the best piece. So if you and I were talking about cold calls, I might give you a couple things that I think are good about cold calls. Uh, some some best practices related to cold calls. But it takes my brain a second to catch up and actually formulate something that's a quotable or actionable or is really, really good. And so, if you let somebody know hey we're gonna kind of talk about these things in advance here's some you know you might want to come up with a couple bullet points around okay what do you say when somebody answers a cold call how do you handle the objection send me an email what do you do if they say oh yeah just send me some times that we can talk or call me next week well i need a little bit of time i know how to handle those on a cold call but it might be helpful for me to prep out bullet 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 of okay here's what i'm gonna say and it makes the the listener sounds smarter and I think it makes it more actionable for the audience. They don't have to listen to Nick meander around a point for 30 seconds. They just get his best answer. You can also edit. We, we edit really, really intensely on the back end. So we record for 45 minutes to an hour and then cut the whole episode down to like 25 minutes. Um, so that's another way to accomplish the same thing.
0: That's amazing. Thank you. I, I always have a different thought about it. I think it's interesting to hear other people that create, Podcast, yep. talk about their their thoughts. How did you get there though? Like, okay, you're there now, but did you always have the thought of I want to create a podcast with actionable advice that's gonna be really like very tight and focused, or did that happen over time?
1: I have been a podcast listener since 2015, so about five years, and. I started actually listening to a real estate investing podcast right when I graduated college. And actually that is the podcast that taught me how to buy the rental properties that I own now. And once I got into sales, I started listening to sales and business development podcasts. And I live in Southern California and the traffic here is horrendous. And so the best way to make sitting in the car, going 20 miles an hour, trying to go to Santa Monica, is to, to actually make that time valuable. So I spend a lot of time on the phone in the car and I spend a lot of time listening to podcasts. So I've been a podcast listener for a very long time and I listen to a lot of different podcasts on a lot of different topics. And the gentleman that I, I'm calling him a gentleman, the guy that I co-host the show with, um, he and I were college wrestling training partners. He and I have started a company together. He and I invest in real estate together. Um, we're, we're really, really tight. And so he works as a director of sales for a mid-market tech company up in San Francisco. And he and I get on a, um, a weekly Zoom call every single week to, to talk about, hey, how are the real estate investments doing, and then what's going on in your life. And when the when we hit mid-March, the, the beginning of the COVID-19 situation, we we started to say, okay, let's slow down the real estate investment because we have no idea what's going to happen and we wanted to just kind of cool it for a little bit. And so we just started talking about sales. And we ended up getting to the point where it's like, okay, well, we've got all this extra time that we're not using buying houses. Why don't we use that time to just talk about sales and record it? And so we just had a big brainstorming session. Um, about, okay, well, what do you like about podcasts you listen to? What don't you like about podcasts you listen to? And we were very, very intentional with the structure, the format, and the planning. And so we probably spent between four to seven hours just talking about content, what it was and what it was not, structure, what it was and what it was not, and then the types of conversations we were gonna have and the types of people we were going to have on the show. So I don't wanna to talk to somebody who, and this is nothing against this person, it's just not the format of the show, is if you haven't sold since 1975, you're probably, and you're, you're some talking head who can't actually articulate how to do something and all you're saying is, sell the vision. You've gotta lead with value. Make it easy for the customer. But can't actually tell me how to do those things. It's challenging when you're a 22 year- old new SDR and someone's saying "Sell division." Well, what does that actually sound like? And so the purpose for our show is it is only things that listeners can literally rip, steal and say or type to a customer that very day.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I, I am coming from a completely different background.
1: I know. I know. So it's it's really interesting.
0: It's interesting because I listen to podcasts that are hangouts. Mm -hmm. My favorite kind of podcast is very loose. There's really no structure besides very basic things. And it's more like you're listening to people their friends talk. Even if they don't know each other, whoever the host is, they've been able to manufacture a vibe where you feel like they're friends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like.
0: That's my favorite thing. And I've structured every show I've ever done around that, where it's like, I'm trying to make somebody feel a certain way and then ask them questions to get a conversation going. So that's two ways to do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the cool thing about, about podcasts. And I think you have to, you have to pick a stance and go with it. Right. If you, you can't be loved unless some people hate. And so Like, there might be people who hate my show's format, and there might be people that hate your show's format. But because of that, you know, there's people on the other end of the spectrum who are like, oh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. So I I, I think it's a win, right? Like, sometimes you're not in the mood for somebody hurling a bunch of actionable tactics at you for 30 minutes. You wanna hear two guys have an actual conversation. And so that's when somebody tunes into this. So it's all good. I mean, I think it's um, positive stuff
0: something actionable. I usually don't have actionable things. Play your fucking flag. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just make a stance, take a choice. Like if you're somewhere in the middle, you're literally nowhere. That's, that's the best advice anyone ever gave me was if you, if you don't choose something, you choose nothing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a fair point.
0: Stand somewhere. Um, But figuring that part out is interesting because we both described it from a perspective of we've listened to podcasts and we liked this format. So we kind of followed it. I'd be interested to hear how you actually figure that out without modeling it. Right.
1: How you actually figure out how to create a podcast without like listening to one and figuring out what you do and don't like.
0: Yeah. I'm not basing it on anything. It's more of, I have a vision of something and I'm
1: going to create it. I'm curious to hear that. Like,
0: how would that even work?
1: Well, i mean i think so here's the challenge is if you've never listened to a podcast before choosing to start a podcast i feel like you're going to replicate work that's already been done for you um and you're i do think you want to have a sense of what else is out there i mean there's nothing wrong with sitting down and saying okay if i was going to start a podcast i actually think it's the right way to start it sit down and think about okay what would i talk about if i had a form to talk with somebody on a podcast, what sort of content would I want? What would the structure look like? Um, what kind of guests do I bring on? And then you could go reverse it and then say, okay, I'm gonna go listen to a bunch of podcasts and then use that to formulate any changes I make to what I've written out. But the problem is if you wanna start a podcast, you've probably listened to a podcast before. And so you're, you're inherently biased.
0: Or like a producer came up to who's like, son, podcasts are hot <laughs> now. We gotta get on the podcast train. It's like, have you heard Joe Rogan? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I have. I will. Um, But I think that's a good point. I mean, can you imagine somebody that's never watched a movie trying to be a film director? It's not going to happen. I I think more of what I'm thinking is we came from a perspective of this is what we like, so we're going to do what we like. I'm Hmm. thinking more, hey, how do I model something that's not, hey, I like this? It's more, this is my vision, and I'm basing it maybe on some other stuff.
1: Well, I mean, you can, no, take what you, dis- you can take what you dislike. You can also do the inverse of that, which is say, I don't like most podcasts. The host talks about the weather for the first two minutes or the intro is super long or they put sponsors right up front and it discourages new listeners. So you can certainly think about what don't I like and then the possibilities are, are endless from there. I've actually heard that's like a Hollywood writing tactic to you've got a bunch of writers in a room and they, they're trying to move a script forward or a, a TV show forward. And one of the things that they'll do is instead of when they, when they get like writer's block, instead of thinking about, okay, what would happen next in this episode or movie, they'll, what they'll do is they'll have a conversation about, okay, what would be the most unrealistic or dumbest thing to happen next? And what it does is it uses the other side of your brain, the inverse side of your brain. And it, all of a sudden starts jogging, jogging things loose. And it's like, oh, that's how you have epiphanies. So you could do that in a sales cycle. You could literally say, all right, what would be the worst next step for me here? And it might put your head where you need to go from there. Like, what would be the worst way to handle the situation? It's just using a different part of your brain.
0: Incidentally, you just gave me an epiphany by saying that. So I, I appreciate you.
1: <laughs> well, are you going to share the gonna... epiphany with the listeners or are they going to?
0: No, that's that's for the Patreon show. There you go. <laughs> it's like only five bucks a month, folks. Oh
1: man! If only, if only I could pay for my coffee.
0: Speaking of numbers, uh, how are you measuring if what you did, like, worked, either from a success like, number-wise or from a success artistically? How are you measuring that, personally?
1: Well, I'm not. I'm not measuring it from a quantitative perspective. It's not like I said, okay, if I get. Twenty thousand downloads per episode. That's that's a win. And if I'm at nineteen nine, that's a loss. It's so the so I think it goes back to why you started something. You can't you can't measure or evaluate unless you have a goal, right? So the reason that we started the show was like, I think networking, whatever you want to call it, most people hate the word networking, but having conversations with other folks in your space and industry and other smart, intelligent people who don't necessarily work at the company you're at is a really good thing. And Armand and I, my co-host and I wanted to have more conversations with really smart people. I think he and I are both fairly career minded and career oriented. And so we wanted to start to make those jumps. And so I can tell you this, there's no way I would have had a conversation with John Barrows one-on-one for an hour if I didn't have a platform like the show. And so in my mind, that's a win. I'm getting amazing networking opportunities. I'm having 15 new SDRs in my LinkedIn inbox every single day saying, hey, man, I just wanted to say that the, the show you did on cold calling was more training on cold calling than I got in the first six months of my job. Thank you so that 's like a really, really cool feeling to see other people hear things that I've fumbled and stumbled my way through in my sales career actually getting something out of it so no i 'm not looking at the numbers, although I do like seeing us climb in the rankings and i 'll be very, very happy when we uh, we make it to the top, but it 's not the end goal right like I want to brand myself as someone who's intentional and smart and thoughtful and knows what he 's doing in the space and is open to helping other people while at the same time talking to folks that are a lot, lot smarter than me and learning from them. So it ends up being a win-win in my eyes.
0: It's it's so fun. Every time you say something, I go, man, that makes complete sense. And it's the (laughs) complete opposite of what I'm doing. And I love that because I think when you talk to people that do things the same way as you, it just becomes a ridiculously drowning echo chamber.
1: Well, life is very boring when Everything around you is what you've experienced every single day of your life. It's why diversity is a really, really good thing and why different cultures and ideas should be celebrated in my mind. Like people have this idea that like cult like they they like they, they don't like culture. They don't like, oh well, if you're gonna like I don't know, man, what about all the different foods I like to eat? Like I love eating Thai food and Indian food and people don't like, like culture. Yeah, well, no, literally, I hear people who, and these are probably not your listeners of the show, but there are people who have this mind where, like, everybody around them has to be the same as them, but in, in my eyes, like, you miss out on some really, really incredible parts, parts of life by, by meeting and talking to and learning from and experiencing the world of another person.
0: 100%. Yeah, that'd be, if somebody came up to me and was like, I don't like experiencing other cultures, I would just have so many questions.
1: It's But you know what? The crazy thing is, there are people who say that. Like, There are people who say and believe that.
0: On the podcast. That's like that's my favorite kind of interview is where day, I don't right? understand where someone's coming from.
1: <laughs> I want to figure it out.
0: Where like when I was younger, I'd probably be like, hey, fuck that person. I'm now just curious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I no, like, absolutely. Let's well, just seek first to understand thing we talked about, right? Seek first to understand and then be understood. And it's like, whoa, this person has a completely different set of views from me I want to understand it, right? It's a curiosity thing.
0: What I'm curious about is you and okay. the craziest thing that's ever happened to you. Because I've had a couple situations where I haven't released a recording, but I've kept it and watched it several times because it was so fascinating. Yeah. like, I can't possibly release this. Do you have anything? Like, you don't have to name anybody, but like, do you have anything uh. that happened where you're like, I can't, do this or like just a crazy thing that happened pre or post recording that was just a oh, wild experience
1: i gotta i gotta think through this one for a second i don't know i, I mean i guess something that was just funny my life's not very funny it's all 100 <laughs> serious 24 7 you gotta <sighs> think that nick I don't know. I got I can't I honestly can't think of anything too crazy like I mean I've gone cliff jumping before. That was kind of fun, but like that Dude, I would find that on the
0: podcast. That would be amazing.
1: I'd have to do the zoom on my phone and like hold it and do it do a cliff jump during it, but um Yeah, the listeners going to be like, "Oh, this guy sucks. He doesn't have anything interesting." I No. I, I genuinely I can't I can't give you anything right now, man. I'm I'm uh it's the stage fright racking my brain.
0: Oh no. It's it's like this is why I told you, Patrick. Send the points before. So there you can go, prepare. right?
1: I would have thought of something crazy I, for you. I know
0: you would have. I know you would have. You're gonna send it to me later. I know you would have
1: right, Well, exactly. Well, as soon as we hit end call, I'm gonna be like, ah oh, shoot, I know something I could have given him.
0: I uh I'll fill in with a little bit of a story. I had okay. somebody that came on and didn't realize. Like that, it was a sales podcast, and just thought we were gonna like hang out and talk about their life. And they prepared a slideshow for me about just like shit that had happened to them. And they like started presenting to me.
1: No, they didn't. You're making you're making this up, dude. Nobody came on this Zoom. Can you see my screen? They just screen shared with me. <laughs> I mean, was it at least an interesting PowerPoint? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'd say so. But it wasn't a podcast
1: oh my gosh it's why okay so so this is why anytime i go on a show i actually listen to a couple episodes of the show before i come on so you have a sense of what's coming um which is why i listened to our buddy Balel, which was a that was a really good episode it was a good listen
0: thank you man yeah i'm actually getting him on again this is my third interview with him he's my favorite person i've ever interviewed just because i feel like his brain is the size of like the sahara desert or something yeah there's something going on in
1: there i don't know what He's he's given me two big paradigm shifts. One, this um, this decoy pricing thing that he talks about, which is the idea of, okay, if you go to the movie theater and you have three options for, for popcorn, you've got this teeny little popcorn for $6, a medium popcorn that would probably be a fit for $7.50, and then this massive, huge, large popcorn for $8. bucks. you are like, well, 8 bucks is the best deal. I get so much popcorn. And it it actually made me understand why i always feel sick after going to the movie theater it's because i fall for the decoy pricing and i eat like two massive bowls of the unlimited refill popcorn and i put a ton of butter on it and then i just feel like garbage after and it was like oh my gosh like he's actually taught me and so then (laughs) he also talks about it was the thing we talked about in the beginning he talks about transparency in your sales process and in your demos and and he had this really unconventional idea about what if you kicked off a demo by being like, guys, you know, I wanna, I wanna start this and talk about some things that our products cannot do in some areas that were weaker than some of the other folks I know you're talking to. And then you show those things. And then you say, the reason we don't have these things is because of X. And then you show one of your competitive differentiators. And the idea that he has there is like, your customer knows that your product is not perfect. And they actually don't expect it to be perfect. They expect it to solve the problem that, that they're having. And so when you start a meeting with brutal honesty, all of a sudden they start, they stop looking for the holes in what is this guy not showing? Can I really trust him? And they start just looking at the solution. And so when he taught me that, it was just like, I mean, he really, he deeply understands psychology behind human interaction. And that's part of the reason that I love following
0: yeah, he, he's very heavily in the Chris Voss school. And I, I think ultimately people just want to feel like they're in control too. So when you get negative, it just shifts the balance where like their expectations change. It's like if you've watched any of those Chris Voss videos where he's doing a full class and using his techniques on the class.
1: Which is yes, yes. It's like, hey,
0: this is going to be really hard or this is going to be terrible. It's going to be the worst thing you've done all week. He gets way more volunteers.
1: Yep. Because people oh, totally. just feel
0: different. About the situation.
1: Yeah, oh, this won't be so. Yeah, it's why um, when you get a shot at the doctor's office, they say, okay, this is going to hurt. And then when it doesn't hurt that bad, you're kind of like, oh, can I get it? So when you're like, this a- is what
0: my product's bad at, they're yeah. like, oh, well, maybe-
1: well, then when you say this is what the product's bad at, you have done the like, okay, so when you're a customer and you're vetting a software solution. Your your job when you're vetting that solution is to find out okay is this thing actually going to solve the problem and are there any major deal breakers or things that it's missing or like is this thing going to work and so your customer is inherently looking out for things that do not work in your product and if you point those things out for them you're making life easier for them you're skipping them saying wait can you go back to that last screen can you can you click that button and you're just showing them what's wrong. You're showing them what's not working. I'm not saying you're this negative, you know, Donnie Downer, who's like, oh yeah, this product stinks. You don't want to buy it. What you're doing is you're, you're intentionally saying, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to be upfront and honest and real with you. Here's what doesn't work. Here's what does. Let's, let's make a mutual decision about whether or not this thing is going to be a fit for you. And then your customer's walls come down. Like there's this whole, it's, 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 It's part of the reason that one of the things that really irks me about sales is it's the new rep whose product is going to change the world and change your life. And I see a lot of uh, green sales reps who think that they can substitute a big personality and enthusiasm and friendliness for actually being able to solve a problem for the customer. And I truly believe it is not your personality or your enthusiasm that wins you the deal. It can lose you the deal if you're a jerk and you clearly don't care about the product at all, okay, that can lose you the deal. But those aren't the things that win win a customer's business. What wins a customer business, customer's business is intimately understanding the problems that they have and then being able to match what you have to being able to solve those problems and being able to demonstrate and help help them understand that you can solve that problem. You do not win someone's business by showing up on the call and being like, Patrick, it's so great to speak with you today. I think we're gonna show you something that is going to really solve all of the big problems that you told me on our discovery call. By the way, I hope you and your family are well and safe and healthy. And it's just like, I know you don't care about those. It's actually part of the reason. So. I see emails right now that go out and people will include the phrase like, Hey, I hope you're healthy. I hope you're well. I hope things are going okay for you. And I think there's a place for those. I don't think when you're sending a business email that you need to start the email with that that sentence. I actually think you end it with that sentence because when I get an email that starts with, Hey, I hope hope you and your family are well. I hope you guys are healthy and things are going, going okay my brain is like, okay, yeah, thanks for asking, but what are you about to ask from me? What do you want to take from me? Are you just buttering me up so that now you can book this time with me or get me to do something? When instead, just have a clear, succinct ask and then say, and hey, by the way, I hope things are going okay. That way, if I just wanna be all business, I can just respond to the business part, but if I actually wanna have a humanity-esque conversation, I can, and so you give somebody that option. I think it's a simple flip, but now I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, they're just trying to butter me up. So that's the way my brain works. Maybe I'm completely and utterly off base, which has happened before. No,
0: no. it also opens up the possibility of something really terrible happened to them. It's like, uh-oh, you just opened that can of worms. It's like, yeah. girl. It's like actually, Nick, I'm not well. Let me <laughs> mm-hmm. tell you about that. I've had mm-hmm. that happen
1: when I used to do that. And I yeah. It yeah i mean it's the priorities right like the reason that i'm emailing you is hey we've got a meeting tomorrow and it's to, to go over this demo but i'm just confirming I'm, co- I'm confirming the meeting and hey by the way i, I want to make sure you guys are okay versus the other way around where priority number one is i'm checking to make sure you're okay no you're some random sales rep in omaha and we've never met and this is a two call closed deal like it's the same reason why i don't start cold calls with hey patrick how are you today because this is my 47th cold call and you honestly can't tell me that the 47th cfo that you've called today you truly care about how that person is doing they know you're lying like you're literally kicking it off with dishonesty and and you're not being genuine be genuine and real the way i kick every single cold call off is patrick this is nick Sigelski with xyz I know you didn't expect me to call you this afternoon. Do you mind if I take one minute to tell you why I'm calling and then you can let me know if it makes sense for us to speak? I'm giving you three things in the beginning, who I am, where I'm calling from, and then what it's gonna take for me to go away and what they can expect next. 90% of people are like, all right, go ahead, but you only have a minute. Great, thank you. And then once I tell you, you can tell me to go away because I am the one cold calling you. Patrick, the reason I called you is, and then I'll tell you why I called, and then they can tell me to go. Like half the battle on a cold call is just getting somebody to listen to you and not have that reaction to hang up. And so you've got to be a professional when you cold call. Not Patrick. This is Nick Sigilski with XYZ. How are you today? That's not why you called me. You called me because you want to set a meeting with me or sell me something. And so be upfront with that. Don't don't pretend that you care about how uh, you know Bob Jones, CFO of of you know Aluminum Corporation is doing that Wednesday afternoon when you called him out of the blue in the middle of his workday.
0: 100% agree with you. I'm definitely the the type that goes, hey, do you want to give me 30 seconds? Do you want to hang up? The kind of a similar intro to you. But a lot of people aren't comfortable with either of those. So if you're looking to settle in a little bit, something I used to do when I didn't want to do that was I would just say, good morning. It's like, mm-hmm. And I would pause. And, and if you just kind of want to settle into the call and not get right to it because you're not that kind of person, that's a good intro as well.
1: And it I like sounds that. Like, you're
0: almost inter- like you're answering from like a like a legal office or
1: something. Yeah. Oh, that that I like that a lot. I think most, most of the reason people aren't comfortable with those two things that you and I are doing is because they, those words have never actually come out of their mouth. And um, okay, so I used to ride my bike to work when I used to work in an office. And um, it was an electric bike, actually. And it was about a 12-mile ride, besides the point. A lot of fun riding those things, if you ever want to talk bikes. But I literally, I looked like a crazy person because I would be on the bike and I would be saying the, the, the talk tracks that I'd been working on that week. This is my first ever SDR job. Like I literally said my cold call opener probably 800 times while I'm riding the bicycle to work. To get, get to the point that I wasn't worried about the words that came out of my mouth, I was more focused on the, the tone and the cadence uh, and the way that the presentation of those words, and so most people, of course, they're not comfortable with those things. Has anyone before they get into a sales job ever like cold called someone and actually had to initiate a conversation? No. So of course you're not comfortable. It's it's like saying, yeah, you know, you've um, I've I've never ridden a horse before, and you you saying, Nick, go go hop on the bucking bronco over there. I'd be like, yeah, I'm not really comfortable with that. Shocker, dude. Shocker.
0: Yeah, I, I maybe I need to, to get used to that. I'll, I'll go listen to some like equestrian podcasts <laughs> and, and see if I can get a horse riding tip.
1: Well, there you go. You actually do a little bit of learning and development, and now you're ready to hop on the horse.
0: The theory of horseback riding. There <laughs> you <laughs> go. Can you imagine if they treated it like salespeople treat sales meetings? They're just like, hey, all right, guys, we got three horses to ride today. <laughs> What's your forecast look like for the day? It's like, all right, I'm going to commit two horse rides and maybe a bale of hay about well, my
1: horse riding. I would imagine that when you get deep into the equestrian world, they have conversations that are just as like intimate and detailed and nuanced as the ones we have in, in the sales world. Like you go into any domain and the people who are really, really good and take it seriously, I mean, they, they notice and focus and practice these micro little things that you wouldn't notice as a novice. It's really fascinating. It's why if you've ever played a sport, watching that sport is so much more interesting than if someone who hasn't seen the sport watches the same thing. It's why when I watch a wrestling match, I notice the littlest details about where somebody puts their foot or the angle of their, their arm when they're doing a move that someone who's never participated in that sport would not notice.
0: Well, if you're an equestrian and you're listening to this podcast, please contact me. Like I said at the top, this is about whatever the hell I want to talk about. So feel free. And I'd love to get into the nitty gritty horseback riding. But I think that's a good cap to our conversation. We went to many different lands. And I think the show notes will provide a map (laughs) to the different lands. But hey, man, Nick, is there a good place for people to connect with you online specifically?
1: Yeah, get with me on LinkedIn. First name, N-I-C-K. Last name, C-E-G-E-L-S-K-I. Send me a message. Send me a uh, uh, a connection request. I, I promise I'll accept unless you pitch me in the connection request. So this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on.
0: Of course, man. We're also entering the plug zone. So if there's anything that you want to plug before you go, feel free.
1: Yeah, uh, I've got a podcast where I talk about sales actionables, but if you have questions about sales, or you're new to the sales world, or you're old to the sales world, but you want to talk shop, I'm always game for it. So so seriously, hit me on LinkedIn. I, I respond to every single person that reaches out.
0: Wow, this man literally plugged helping people over his own podcast. God, that's some Chris Vosch here right there, man. That's crazy. All right. Well, anyway, thank you again for joining us today on the Five Oncast. You're oftentimes not a weekly source for insights into whatever I happen to time i am once again your beautifully delicious host patrick down the rod sterling of the modern age you can connect with me on linkedin and follow five on friday on linkedin youtube and probably some other places i'll have to check thank you very much your beautiful don't ever change i'll catch you soon bye nick
1: hey